Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Hi, this is Lewis Montgomery. I'm a principal in Corn Ferry's corporate officer's practice. Welcome to my inaugural show on government contracting today. In this show, we'll discuss issues and opportunities associated with this vital industry in our nations and especially in our regional economy. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Greg McCarthy, and Greg is the CEO of AOC Key Solutions. Uh, Since 1983, ALC Key Solutions has helped companies win over $160 billion in federal contracts. As CEO of ALC Key Solutions, Greg's mission is to help federal contractors of all sizes increase their revenue by providing them the best possible bid and proposal development. Greg has over 30 years of experience in this business. And in 2012, he won Smart CEO Magazine's Executive Management Award. Greg, thanks for joining me. Hi, Lewis. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Here's some just some overall facts and figures about the uh, the government uh, contracting industry. Uh, the industry has, is is uh, a huge one in that we had in 2014, through the most uh, recently available data, this industry was in excess of 447 billion dollars in revenue. That's greater than the gross national product of Poland, Belgium, and Israel. And something that really caught my eye was that the top states for government contracting, number one is the state of Virginia, uh, Maryland is number four, and D.C. Is, uh, is, is number five. So clearly, this is an industry that is, uh, that is vital to our regional economy. And since some of the leading contractors in the space are based here in the, the DMV, uh, including uh, Lockheed, which is in uh, Bethesda, uh, General Dynamics, which is in Falls Church, and Northrop Grumman, which is also in, in Falls Church. The one last bit of information is that almost two-thirds of the dollars spent were on services instead of, uh, instead of products. So really quite a, quite a vital and, uh, and, and large industry. Greg, can you tell us more about, uh, about ALC Key Solutions, what you guys do, and the role you play in the government contracting space? Absolutely. Thanks, Lewis. So as you mentioned, we've been in business since 1983. My brother, Jim McCarthy, was a co-founder of the company, and he was a real pioneer in this industry. And what we do is we help government contractors win, and that can be many forms of uh, services and, and products. But basically anything from before an RFP is issued by the government to uh, proposal submission beyond proposal submission. And as you mentioned, uh, it is a huge industry for us in this area. There's over 600,000 contractors um, uh, across the nation. A lot of them are right here in this area. So we're really located in the right part of the world for, for what we do. And we support government contractors. That's that's all we do. That's great. Thanks a lot, Greg. There's a lot of terminology in the, the government contracting space. Uh, I was uh, new to the government contracting industry several years ago, and I started hearing things like cost plus and fixed price and, and low price technically acceptable. Can you demystify some of that for us? What are some of the key things that people should know about the the industry and some of the key terms? 
Yeah, sure. So, um, like government uh, does, everything is an acronym, mm-hmm. and very closely related with the military, which even has more acronyms. Mm-hmm. But, but basically, you're talking about government tr- contracting and the different types of vehicles that are set up. So, if you're a contractor, you might have a contract that's a time and materials contract where you have labor rates and categories, or you might have a firm fixed price where you're expected to deliver a certain service or a product in a certain amount of time, and that's a firm fixed price. And then you have cost plus, which gives you incentives basically to deliver on time and keep on schedule and it has milestones and things like that so there's various vehicles but I, I, one of the things that uh, I had to get used to was all the acronyms in this business so there's a ton of them sure absolutely so how did you get involved in this business Greg yeah so I started um, you know I've had a variety of roles in my career uh, sales and marketing roles I worked for major corporations like Kaiser Aluminum and Black & Decker the Walt uh, Corporation and um, I would say almost 13 years ago um, I joined uh, AOC Key Solutions. I started out in proposals. I ran a product mm-hmm. called our third-party assessments, which are a really great product for government contractors to keep their their incumbency uh, contracts. And then I ended up um, in business development. I went to be the COO and ran operations for the company. And about two years ago, became the, the CEO of AOC Key Solutions. So now I'm in, I'm in charge of uh, developing the strategy and, the, and, and, uh, and making sure I have good people around me and, and we're growing our business. We're having a record year. Um, and it's been phenomenal, the uh, 2017. Oh, great. How large are you guys, Greg, in terms of number of employees? Yes, we have about 40 employees, Lewis. Okay. Um, and uh, they're a combination of uh, proposal folks, capture folks, which are um, you know help our clients win contracts, and then um, uh, business developers. Okay, great. You mentioned that you've been involved in this space for quite some time. How has the government contracting industry evolved over the years? Yeah, it's it's done really nothing but change the last uh, decade or so. Um, as you mentioned, they're a huge. They're the biggest customer, basically. The government is in uh, in the world at four hundred and fifty billion dollars, um, and they've really changed uh, through different ways of. Um, uh, the way they, you mentioned LPTA, lowest mm-hmm. price technically acceptable, that became uh, popular in the last five years. I think that's going away, which I think is a, a good thing uh, by and large. Um, but uh, we've seen a huge rise in what they call GWACs or IDIQs to talk about more acronyms. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're basically hunting licenses. They're mm-hmm. government-wide uh, contracts where um, multiple companies will propose and then they'll be awarded this hunting license, this mm-hmm. IDIQ. And then after that ID DQ is awarded. Uh, there's no money attached until they start winning the task orders, and they mm-hmm. got they got to compete for the task order work under the IDIQ. Mm-hmm. Those have really become in vogue the last ten years, and they're here to stay. Got it. One of the things I noticed as I was uh, doing some research on the industry is is how much business is going to uh, to smaller businesses now, and I'm wondering if you're seeing that as a as a, as a long term trend, and what implications do you think it has for this industry? Absolutely. So I think it's a great thing. Um, we don't want all the business, uh, the government contracting business, dominated by the Lockheed Martins and the Northrop Grumman's. You want to spread that out. Uh, the reason being is the government um, likes to do business with small businesses because they uh, they tend to be a little more nimble, a little more agile. They can de- uh, deliver technology uh, fairly quickly, and it's not like they're uh, steering a battleship. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think the government likes to give back to small companies, veteran-owned companies, disabled vets, and uh, so that's their part of sort of doing their thing for uh, for those small disadvantaged businesses. And um, they all have goals, sub- subcontracting mm-hmm. goals, uh, where they're supposed to um, contract with uh 
you know, uh, minority companies and 8A companies mm-hmm. and uh, smaller disadvantaged businesses. Mm-hmm. Got it. Without giving away too many uh, trade secrets, you mentioned that uh, that your business helps uh, organizations uh, win government contracts. So again, without without giving away any secrets, but what does it what does it take to to really to win government contracts uh, on a consistent basis? So um, we always make sure our clients have a couple of things that um, they're not chasing a pop-up opportunity. So this, they need to market the government. They need to uh, learn to meet uh, the people in the agency that are going to be, you know, awarding that contract. So we pretty much advise our customers to make sure that they have customer intimacy. They know where the pricing is. They know if they're going after an, uh, you know, a, a contract they've never had before, they need to understand how that contractor who's doing that work today is performing. Um, and we help them with that. And also we have some uh, some products and some services to help them uh, through their uh, proposal phase and then even beyond uh, when they've submitted their proposal into post-submittal uh, uh, questions and answer responses, uh, orals responses. If you've heard of uh, orals, that's when the government asks you to do basically present to them and they get it, the government wants to get a comfort, comfort level for, you know, can we work with this contractor? And they'll, they'll ask one or two uh, bidders to, uh, to enter into oral discussions with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. What, um, you know, over, over time, obviously we've, we've talked about that this is an industry that is somewhere in the, in the, you know, 450 or so billion dollar range. Um, you know, what are the, the big agencies that, uh, the, the biggest, uh, purchaser of, uh, of, of uh, services from uh, you know via government contracting and what types of, of services seem to be predominating? Sure. So they they change and they're changing right now with this new administration. But I would say, really since nine eleven, uh, this hasn't changed much. It's been the Department of Defense. It's been Homeland Security. Uh, it's been the intelligence community, and then I would say in the last uh, five or six years, uh, Veterans Affairs has been really hot as well as uh, health and human services with, uh, you know, all the things that are going on in health care in this industry. I would say those are probably the hot agencies right now, and I think that they're going to continue to be that way, uh, you know, for the next decade or so. Yeah, got it. What about uh, occupations? Again, like you guys work uh, very intimately with your, with your clients. I'm curious as to, you know, over, over the, the years that you've been involved in government contracting, what kinds of positions have, uh, have emerged uh, more recently as some of the, quote, hot jobs, and what are some jobs that maybe were hot several years ago that that aren't uh, aren't quite so hot anymore. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned at the top, Lewis, professional service continues to be uh, very very hot uh, mm-hmm. for the government. Um, the last decade, information technology has been extremely big, and that's going to continue to do that as the government upgrades their you know their their uh, back backbone equipment and their you know their uh, the way they communicate uh, with each other, uh, agency by agency. Um, I would also say that uh, uh, we see um, um, logistics being hot, uh, mm-hmm. operations and maintenance, uh, protective services is really big, um, and uh, I think those things have changed over the last you know ten years. It wasn't as much uh, in terms of um, uh, IT as it is today, and mm-hmm. it's just it's just a huge market, Lewis. Mm-hmm. Got it. Thanks. One of the things, Greg, that that fascinated me about this industry and still does is the fact that you've got both some of the the largest corporations in the U.S. and in the world, but you also have a lot of opportunities for entrepreneurs to yeah. uh, to get started. So I was just curious about you know your experience in working with some uh, smaller businesses and uh, and entrepreneurial firms, and and what advice do you have for someone who may have a, an idea and 
would like to uh, get involved in the government contracting industry? Right. I think so. The government um, play, has largely in the past played a role of oversight and uh, they need industry. So they, so they need industry to propose to bring new services, to bring new products to the market so they can get the best in class and stay current with technology. Uh, we help all si- size firms, small, medium, and larges. But if you're just starting out in this industry, the first thing I would recommend would be, um, you know, uh, perfect your service or your, your product. And then um, I would recommend getting a GSA schedule. Like for instance, IT is a Schedule 70. Uh, schedule 70 in 2016 was it by itself was over $10.5 billion. So the GSA uh, ordered that much from companies. And if you have a commercial product that you want to take to, um, to the federal go- government, I recommend getting a GSA schedule for sure. Do you think there's still uh, good opportunities for, for, for entrepreneurs uh, in this area to get into the government contracting space? Absolutely. I mean, this is a hot area, uh, largest customer in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, things are changing so fast. Um, you're seeing companies, you know, with the dot-coms and, and uh, you know, new technologies that it's really been disruptive. It's been a disruptive market. And those companies who can bring their products to market, uh, the federal government's going to benefit as well as, uh, you know, the, the American taxpayer. Yeah. When I was in the industry, uh, and again, I was I was new to the industry. There was a lot of talk about teaming and uh, and seeking out different kinds of, uh, of partners. Can you tell talk more about what 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 teaming looks like, uh, what it has looked like historically and what it looks like today? Sure. So I think um, teaming has been uh, has been in vogue for a while. Uh, we recommend that small contractors, uh, small businesses, um, companies that don't have a lot of federal government work start out and get as many teams as possible, try to get their legs under them and get some past performance to eventually prime a contract. And uh, it takes a while before you can prime a contract. You've got to have past experience. So by all means, we recommend teaming. And it's a good way to kind of spread the wealth, spread the cost, et cetera, uh, and get some different experiences at different agencies. And, And we, you know, by all means recommend teaming. It's one of the services we provide is finding teaming partners for our clients. Oh, great. You introduced some, uh, some new, te- new uh, terminology as well. You talked about priming. So can you talk about, I guess, what it, what it means to be a prime contractor and, and if you're a small business, what opportunities you might have to, uh, to do that? Sure. So, um, so priming, what we call uh, being a prime contractor is when you're the, you're issued uh, that government contract and you have, uh, typically, uh, more than 51% of the uh, the work share on on a, on a contract. Um, we recommend that um, you know get some subcontracts first and build your work your way up to priming a contract. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it's a good way to you know develop your 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 business, your services, and uh, you know kind of perfect them for the federal government. Okay. I'm sure in, in, in as long as you've been in this business, you've got some uh, some some great stories about uh, uh, again without uh, obviously revealing any, any any trade secrets or anything like that. But can you can you share with us some some real success stories that you've uh, been a part of of you know helping organizations to grow and develop and uh, and to win business in this space? Sure. So one of the things that the people in our company like is they. Um, they, they get to work with a variety of different contractors, mm-hmm. um, a variety of different technologies. They learn a new, about a new technology, and then they kind of move on to the next one. And we've had a, a number of uh, huge successes, some real da- uh, David and Goliath stories. For example, 
Uh, we helped uh, a client of ours win a maintenance contract on the Predator drone, and they unseated the manufacturer of the Predator drone for this particular That's contract. That's pretty amazing. And so that was, yeah, and it was about, you know, having a good proposal, doing the right capture and all that stuff. And then another favorite one of mine was um, a Department of Energy contract where we helped Michigan State University um, win a $500 million contract for a rare isotope beam and they unseated a Department of Energy lab, a, a laboratory uh, for a DOE contract. And they were a real underdog as well. And so it's those kind of successes that kind of keep the people in my company, um, you know, engaged. And, and we love that that winning culture. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You mentioned uh, Michigan State. So so that so it's so it sounds like uh, uh, institutions of higher learning uh, and academia are involved in government contracting as well. Absolutely, uh, especially with Department of Energy, um, mm. they have a real, real strength in what they offer with academia and and um, things like that. But uh, there's you know universities out on the West Coast. I think of Texas A and M, University of Texas, Florida State, um, uh, Stanford, Shirley, and then some of the Ivies. Mm-hmm. Um, really, uh, they they do pretty well in this area. Okay. And they're and they're usually teaming. They're usually teaming with one of the larger uh, government contractors. Okay. Yeah. Before we got started, you and I were talking about uh, kids, and a lot of parents uh, are always, you know, obviously concerned about kids in uh, in college and, and and sort of getting off the, the payroll, so to speak. I mean, what you know, what are some good areas that uh, perhaps someone who's recently out of college might be able to, uh, to to get into in government contracting? Are there opportunities for for entry level people? There are. There. There's. It's a great. Um, Great skill to learn and a great kind of breeding ground to uh, to develop your skills. And mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of contractors. I see I see areas uh, like in contracts and their in their contracts departments for gov- government contractors where they need people. They need like a junior contracting officer mm-hmm. or, or a, a technical rep, something like that. Uh, so I would say contracts are big and also operations. So mm-hmm. get on a get on a government program and you know learn how to. Um, interact and support the government at a location. It might, might be in your office, but typically it's at a government facility. And that's a great way to get some program experience, which I highly recommend. Good. You mentioned earlier, too, that obviously the uh, the intelligence community is very big in, in government contracting. And then, of course, the whole issue of security clearances uh, comes up. Can you just help, again, demystify that? Because I've heard that there's, there's various kinds of uh, security clearances. Can you just kind of give us a, a, a primer on, on what's meant by security clearance in the various levels that would be required for various types of work? Right. So it's about... Uh, handling um, sensitive and classified information, Lewis. And there's various levels. There is the secret. There's the top secret. There is the uh, top secret with the SCI, which is uh, compartmentalized information. Um, and there's even above that with um, you know, full uh, full um, poly uh, lie detector tests mm-hmm. and things like that, for depending on the need to know and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's nothing... Nothing tricky about it. It's just that you have to you have to pass uh, whatever level of uh, clearance that you're trying to attain. Uh, we hold those for our clients uh, today. Um, the intelligence community is very vibrant. Vibrant. It's um, there's a lot of a lot of the large contractors there, but it's also a lot of smit, uh, small and niche businesses mm. that also have uh, you know technology that the government relies on, and uh, they're embedded with the government every day, whether it's NSA or NRO or you know, uh, CIA, and uh, they do really, really important work for the uh, country. Yeah, okay, very neat. 
you know, again, you guys sort of live the life cycle of uh, of contracts with your uh, with your clients. I wonder if you just could could kind of kind of walk us through from sort of start to uh, to finish what you know what the whole contracting process uh, uh, looks like and what some of the, the the challenges there are along the way. Yeah. Okay. So um, the process would be. You know, starting out with um, getting on GSA schedules, doing some teaming like we've spoken about, um, uh, finding some opportunities where uh, you're a good fit, your company is a good fit, you can offer something to the uh, government, whether it's uh, saving them money or a new technology. Um, So find those opportunities and then um, uh, what we call capture, which is... uh, Marketing to the government, making sure that sure they know you, you know them, they know what your company can do to help them. And then when they go to issue a, a request for a proposal, an RFP, you're ready, you're prepared to propose. Uh, the government's not surprised by your proposal. Uh, and then hopefully uh, you, you win that contract. Now, a good contractor today wins about one in five, one out of mm-hmm. six. So they're not a layup by any stretch. And, and you got to do these things along the way, the full life cycle, as you say, you got to do them properly. Uh, to improve your, uh, your your win probability. Okay. Uh, when I was in the industry, uh, one of the, the concepts I got introduced to was something called a protest. And I understand that became that's become a, a big part of the government uh, contracting landscape. Can you can you talk about uh, what protests are and just how uh, historically uh, they've uh, they've been used by by organizations and sort of sort of the state of play on this this important area now? Yeah, so they've become, I would say, the last uh, last ten years, uh, really common, really prevalent. When we first got into this business, there were certain agencies where they they pretty much let you know if you're going to protest this, you're not going to do business with us mm-hmm. in the future, and that's really changed. And and they're so common, they're almost a strategy mm-hmm. uh, to delaying uh, an, an award or holding things up and that sort of thing. Uh, but basically, the contractors uh, get the lawyers involved and they protest on certain grounds, uh, maybe something they got in their debrief with the government and why they weren't successful in winning. And they try to, um, you know, try to kind of exploit or expose, uh, you know, why they should have been awarded and why they weren't. Sometimes they're successful and they're winning the protests and uh, oftentimes they're not. Mm -hmm. Do you have any, um, any, any either data or anecdotally or otherwise in terms of what, how, how uh, protests have the percent of, of, of wins over time? Uh, I think it's on the increase, and I think that's why it continues. I think that um, industry has done fairly well with, um, um, you know, being awarded and overturning a protest when they when they have protested mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, sometimes they might have grounds, and and uh, the GAO is uh, looking favorably upon their proposal and and maybe the grounds for awarding them a contract. Mm-hmm. Got it. The uh, sort of looking at the industry more uh, from a historical standpoint, as some of the re- information I saw is that the industry seemed to really have peaked around the 2008-2009 time frame. Obviously, with the uh, with the wars in uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan, and has been has been uh, shrinking somewhat. There's been a lot of merger and acquisition activity as well. I'm curious as to you know based on on your experience in the space, sort of what what do you what do you see as the uh, sort of looking at your crystal ball in terms of what do you see for trends for the for the industry going forward? So I think there's good momentum right now in the government contracting industry. Um, we know that uh, that Onvia, for example, has forecasted about a 5% uh, increase in the confidence uh, the government contractors have in their market. And so that's a really good sign. And like you said, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. It's been a struggle for the government contracting community the last 
uh, in the last you know six or seven years for sure. Um, but we see uh, we see good things. We see continued um, strong areas of mergers and acquisitions. A lot of the the bigger players in town have um, have you know absorbed other companies to gain a techno expertise or a foothold on a certain contract or two or an area of expertise for sure. Uh, so we see more mergers and acquisitions happening. Um, a lot of work in the cyber areas. Uh, Intel, um, I think with this new administration, you're going to see some uh, more effort and, and um, money put into um, you know, roads, uh, bridges, government mm-hmm. installations, uh, you know, border protection in the southwest and on the west coast and stuff. Uh, so we're, uh, we're pretty bullish on the way things are going to be for the next uh, you know, five years. Okay. So you think this is an industry that, uh, as they say, has, uh, certainly has legs for the future? Absolutely. It's not an easy one, but it's, uh, it's got legs for yeah. sure. Oh, that's great. All right, well, Greg. Well, listen. I want to thank you so much for for being part of my uh, my inaugural show. Uh, really enjoyed uh, the opportunity to uh, to get to know you better and to uh, to talk more about your your business. Proud to be on your first uh, first show, and uh, best of luck and uh, success in the future. Thank you so much. Greg. Thanks, Lewis. This is a reminder: the Maryland STEM Festival 2017 presents Blue Collar STEM Conference Monday, November 6, 2017, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m at the B&O Train Museum, Baltimore, Maryland. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.